0: Guys, what's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazitti, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. If you're joining me for the very first time, first and foremost, I want to say thank you. And I'd like to ask you guys to take the 10-episode challenge where you go back and you listen to the last 10 episodes. The reason I ask you guys to do this is because, first and foremost, I feel like there's a lot of value back there. I feel like there's a lot of really great information for you guys that you would enjoy to hear. But on top of that, I might be referencing things in past episodes that you simply just aren't going to be aware of if you don't go back and listen to those episodes. So I think it's the best way to get the most value out of the show. So if you guys are new and you're loving the show so far, go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. And before we hop into the article, one more thing. If you guys are looking to get more from the show, get more out of the show, get more from me, and you're looking to help support the show, becoming a supporting patron is one of the best ways to do that. When you become a patron of the show, you get access to the Liberty Informant, which is a, a kind of a second podcast that I'm doing. It's a kind of a, a premium pay to listen to podcast where I come in and I read articles from different economic libertarian oriented publications, you know, like the me Institute, the Foundation for Economic Education, the American Institute for Economic Research, and the Intellectual Takeout. And I record myself reading those for the purposes of turning them into audio files so that you guys can listen to them whenever you want. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people who really want to consume this information, but simply put, don't have the time in which to do it. And frankly, they don't have the time to sit down and read all these different articles. So I thought that if I could come in and I could read those articles, it would be a really, really great benefit to you guys because not only could you continue to to consume this great amazing content but you guys would also be able to do it whenever you want whether it's on your commute to work or coming back home or maybe when you sit down to you know eat lunch or something of that nature so that's one of the reasons I'm doing and another reason I'm doing this is because I do a lot of research and I do a lot of reading each and every single week and I think there's a lot of you that we get a lot of value in seeing what I'm reading and this is one of the ways of doing that this is one of the ways of you for you guys to see what I'm reading and this helps you guys to see how I'm formulating my ideas, how I'm formulating what I think is coming down the road, coming down the pipeline, and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to, you know, see what I'm reading, you want to see what I'm doing, this is a great way to do this. So if you become a a supporting patron, not only do you get access to the Liberty Informant, but you also get access to the Matthew Spazitti Elite Group, which is more or less a fan page for the show. Basically, it's a group that I hope to grow into this amazing network of individuals who all want to become financially free and are very liberty-minded oriented, is what I like to call it you don't necessarily have to be a libertarian, although I'd imagine most people in there would be, but you could also be a conservative or somewhere around those lines. But it's for liberty-minded people who are orienting their lives in that way and who share very similar beliefs in that sense. And- it's also for individuals who want to become financially free by controlling the source of their income. You know, I hope it will one day grow into a community where people can come together and ultimately help each other become financially free. I think that would be absolutely amazing. So with that said, those are the things that you guys get so far. Maybe down the line, I will be adding more benefits, more goodies, but for right now, that's what you guys can get. So if you want to support the show and you want to get more from me, that's that's the best way to do it. All right. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, today I wanted to talk about, you know, a little bit more on inflation and what I think is coming down the line. You know, I, we talked about inflation in the last episode. We described it. We talked about what it is, how it kind of works, how it can get circulated into the economy and, and stuff of that nature. But I didn't really give my opinion on what's going to happen in the future with all this market and economic uncertainty with all the lockdowns and all the money printing left and right. And I just didn't really give you guys a great idea of what I think is coming down the line. So I wanted to do that. So let's go ahead and hop into that. First and foremost, I think it's important to make very clear that nobody has a crystal ball, and that includes myself. And if I did, I'd be unbelievably wealthy. But unfortunately, nobody does. Uh, Despite what many people will say, there's a lot of people out there who are giving guarantees, who are making very bold predictions. In the end, you need to understand nobody really knows what's going to happen. Nobody really understands what the future is going to look like. The most predictable thing about the future is how unpredictable it can be. So nobody knows 100% what's coming down the line. Now, we can use economics to get a good idea of what's coming down the pipeline and all that kind of stuff, but economics is very poor at timing the events and whatnot. But you can get a very, very good idea of predicting the future with economics, which is one of the reasons I love economics so much. It makes sense. I'm an aspiring forex trader and options trader. And, you know, I am I love those things. And so being able to predict with some level of certainty what's coming down the line and, and what's coming in the future is highly valuable to me. And I think it's highly valuable to most people. It helps us to understand how we should direct our lives and what direction we should be pointing our lives in and things of that nature. So it's, it is a really, really good idea to be into economics and to understand where economics is going and and, you know ultimately just understand what's coming down the line or at least attempting to understand that right so that's why I love economics so much it's why I focus on economics so much on the show because I think it's incredibly important that everybody needs to understand I mean and unfortunately the vast majority of people are educated in the wrong form of economics which would be Keynesian economics or any other newfangled form of economics that's out there you know largely these are ineffective effective schools of economic thought, they're not very accurate, and they're just not very good overall. So to be completely honest with you, for me, I mean, you guys already know this, but I subscribe to Austrian economics. I think it's the best field of economics that's out there. And I think it explains the vast majority of economic events that occur throughout our lives. you know. And ultimately, I feel like Austrian economists have a very, very good pulse on the market and what's really going on. But again, economics is not really good at predicting timing what's going to happen. It's really... Primarily good at just showing you what the writing on the wall is, you know, what's going to happen in the future, but we don't know when and we don't know exactly how, but we know that this is eventually going to happen. And that's largely what economics is used for. So it's kind of like a, a GPS, right? If you think about it in this way, this is a good analogy. It's like a GPS. Let's say you're going to go to a location, you're, you're trying to drive to a location, right? But the location is not a typical place. Maybe it's out in the country or maybe you're looking for an office inside of a building. So you're you're trying to find the general location. So you type in the address of this building into your GPS, into your cell phone, or, or uh, if, if you guys have separate GPSs, you can use it. I still actually have a separate Garmin GPS, which I absolutely love. It's it's absolutely great, and I use it from time to time if I'm going on long-distance road trips because it saves me on cell data, and it's really nice. Granted, I will admit that I had to update the maps not that long ago, and the gosh, it was ridiculously expensive to update those maps, but it was still a very, very good product. I still liked it and I didn't have to pay a monthly fee to use it. So that's great. But that being said, so you go ahead and you enter the information on there, you enter the address and it gives you directions to the general location. But where you're going is really more of a a business center. There's lots of different buildings all over the place and there's lots of different offices. Okay. So once you get there, you don't really know where to go. This actually happened to me not that long ago. I was the doctor that I used to go to. You know, they ha, they moved their office from a, a typical location. You know, just a, a standalone doctor's office that was in some kind of strip mall or shopping center. You know, they moved their location to a hospital. And it's like, okay, you know, I was aware of the hospital. I've been there a couple of times. But they moved it into a hospital, and they moved it into one of the hospital buildings. Well, So when I entered the address into the GPS, it took me to the hospital, although, frankly, I knew how to get there without the GPS, but that's beside the point. It took me to the hospital. Okay, but once I got to the hospital, I had no idea which building it was in. I had no idea what floor it was on, and I was heavily confused, and that's kind of what GPSs do a lot of times. Sometimes they take you right to the location, right, and we love it when it works out that way. That's just one of those days where life worked out fairly well overall, but unfortunately, life is never perfect, right? Perfection is not long for this world. And as a result of that, a lot of times what happens is when we enter in the, the address and we finally get there, we realize, oh, so it gave me the general idea of where it is, but I got to be, but now I got to find where the heck this is because I don't see it. I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. I got to call somebody. I got to, I got to look something up. I, I got to do something. And that's kind of what economics is, right? Economics will, will show you what's coming down the line. It'll show, it'll get you in the general direction, kind of the GPS, but it'll show you what's coming down the line. But it doesn't really show you the timing of it all. It doesn't even show you all the specifics, all the variables. How can it? We're fallible human beings. We're trying to understand the world around us with economics, but there's unfortunately the economies are so, so highly complicated that there is no one person, there is no one machine for that matter, that can accurately take into account every single variable that exists in an, in an economy. There just isn't, at least not right now. Now, maybe, I don't know, maybe technology will advance and we'll finally be able to have artificial intelligence that'll be able to account for absolutely everything. And the knowledge problem won't be a problem anymore with when it comes to central planning. It, I'll be completely honest, even if that is the case, even if that does happen, you will still have other issues, okay? Because what variables it chooses to heavily weigh over others is entirely subjective, You know, what prices would be, again, is highly subjective. I mean, if the system tries to determine what prices should be, again, it's all highly subjective. And it's all highly subjective with regards to who did the coding and who put the— if we're talking about artificial intelligence, somebody coded the very basics of that code. And their flaws, their human flaws, went into the code. And now the code is constantly learning. Those flaws are going to show themselves in the code over the entirety of the code's lifetime. Regardless of how much the code you know, grows and advances and learns and all that kind of stuff, doesn't matter. The imperfections of humanity will always be in the creations of humanity. So with that being said, though, okay, we're getting off track, that's how you can view economics. And it's, but it's incredibly important for us to understand economics. You know, some of you might throw your hands up and say, well, what, what's the point? Well, we should still try to because it's, one, it's only a measuring stick that we have, But with that being said, okay, after, you know, that long explanation of nobody has a crystal ball, uh, you know, in a nutshell, here is what I think is coming down the line, okay? Personally, I am of the impression that right now we're not seeing a lot of monetary devaluation going on in the market. We're not seeing a lot of prices rise. So when I refer to monetary devaluation, I'm referring... To prices rising. okay, G- A general increase in prices across lots of different markets, lots of different products and services, and so on and so forth. That's what I mean. When I say monetary devaluation, that's what I'm saying because using the term inflation to describe that is it's just wrong. It's not correct. And we talked about that in the last episode. Again, what is inflation? Inflation is simply the increase in the monetary supply. Prices rising and money changing hands quickly like velocity, they're all symptoms of inflation, but that's not what inflation is. And some people might say, well, it's just a semantics argument. I, I think it's much more than that. I think it really is. I think that it's much, much more than a semantics argument. If you are saying that inflation is an increase in prices, you're not really explaining how inflation occurs you're just saying that it's an increase in prices and you could easily go off and say okay well anything could be there is anything that increases prices is inflation that would be entirely false and it would also give politicians and government the ability to shift the blame onto somebody else because if this is you they're not educated enough to understand that they're pulling the wool over your eyes this is why it's incredibly important to understand and not just think it's a semantics argument. It's not. Inflation is an increase in the monetary supply. Okay? So, anyways, with that being said, if you want to know more about inflation, go check out, you know, the episode I did yesterday. It was a really, really, really good one. All right, so go check it out. We do a very deep dive into inflation, and I think I did a pretty good job at explaining it and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in, you know, learning more about that, then go listen to that episode. But with that said there's a lot of money printing that's going on. And so far, okay, so far we haven't seen a lot of monetary devaluation. We haven't really seen a lot of prices rising. We've seen prices rising for some things, but the question is up in the air, is that supply chain disruption? Are there other reasons why the prices are rising? And frankly, in this case, I do think that there actually are a lot of supply chain disruptions that are going on, which absolutely is causing prices to rise. But are prices rising because of the printing of money? Because that money is getting, is being put in the hands of everyday people? Well, that's a very difficult question to answer. And frankly, again, it's, here's my thought on it, okay? Right now, you would think that we would see prices rising, and we are seeing prices rising, but we're seeing them for different reasons, and they're not rising across the board everywhere, okay? Now, granted, when, when we're talking about, you know, prices rising and monetary devaluation, they don't rise, equally everywhere, okay? Some things will rise more so than others. Some things will rise when others, maybe it rises, but it doesn't rise very much. So, but I think a lot of that is supply chain disruption. I think a lot of the I don't necessarily believe that a lot of the prices that are rising currently is due to money printing quite just yet. Maybe some of it is, but I don't think that's the primary driver. Now, we won't really know until we get back to normal and see what happens. You know, if, if money printing continues to happen and it gets injected, into everyday people's hands, you know, people that are going to spend it, the people that are most likely to spend it. Again, we talked about this in the last episode. If that happens, then sure, we could definitely see prices rising on a very large scale. However, if that doesn't happen and we get back to normal, people start getting out there and prices normalize and they start to fall, then we could basically speculate that, okay, it was probably more supply chain disruptions and things of that nature, or an increase in demand coupled with supply chain disruptions and stuff like that, and an increase in demand not necessarily because of money printing, but because more people are working home now than they were previously. So I don't know. It could it, we don't really know. We, we won't really know until things start to smooth out and, and things start to, start to normalize again. Unfortunately, we just won't know. But for me, here's what I think is, and I have already started this like three times, so this time I'm actually going to say this is what I think is going to happen, all right? Here's what I think is going to happen officially. I don't think we're going to see a lot of prices rising in terms of very, very heavy money, you know, monetary devaluation. I don't think we're going to see that right away. I think we're going to see a slow increase in some areas. But with that said, I think the reason for that is because a lot of people, because of all the uncertainty, people are not spending the money that's being created. A big portion of the money that's being printed, and while there is some money that is getting out there into the economy and whatnot and being spent... A big portion of the money that is being printed is being put into savings because of all the uncertainty. People are worried about their jobs. You know, people are worried about their livelihoods. So yeah, a lot of people are not actually spending that money and they're dumping it into their savings account. So I think that's why we, we, we're not really seeing a massive increase in prices. I think that's why we're not really seeing a massive amount of monetary devaluation. Because once again, uh, what did we talk about in the last episode? We talked about how it does nothing to simply print the money out of thin air. You have to circulate into the economy before you start seeing any effect whatsoever. If you merely print money and stuff it under your mattress, ladies and gentlemen, that's not going to do anything now I understand that when people are putting their money into savings that's not necessarily you know don't putting it under a mattress right the bank has the money and what are they doing with the money they're lending it out well they're already lending out more than what they have but they're they're lending out everything they possess and then some so I understand that having more money in savings is is affecting things I'm not trying to say it's completely ineffective like just putting it in your mattress but It's still not going to have the same effect that it would if everyone just went off and spent all of that money. So that's what is currently happening right now. People are, a lot of people are just putting their money away in savings and ultimately are just saving that money because they really don't know what's going to happen in the economy. They really don't know what's going to happen overall with their jobs and their livelihoods. So that's what I think is going on right now. What do I think is actually going to be coming down the line is another question entirely. Kind of depends. It depends on a lot of things. But here's what I think. I think what we're going to see is we're going to see prices rise gradually for a while. Okay. I don't think it's going to be this massive burst in prices, okay, Uh, price increases and whatnot, monetary devaluation. I think what we're going to see is sentiment's going to recover when it comes to the virus because every, all the news media stations everywhere, they're all going to start downplaying it. They're all going to start moving. They're moving in that direction already. And as vaccines come out, they're going to start to, the sentiment will recover even further with regards to the virus. As that continues to happen, you will see more people get out. You will see consumption tick up a bit more, okay? But it's still not going to be what it was before because there's an underlying issue here, the economy. Once we get past the whole virus and the fear of it all and the lockdowns, the economy is the next thing that we have to contend with. Again, the economy hasn't been on a good a sound footing for quite some time and it's even worse now. So people are still going to probably be frugal in my opinion. I think that people are still going to be frugal because of the uncertain economic situation. So I think that, you know, you're going to see consumption tick up a little bit, but not really a lot because, again, in uncertain times, economically speaking, you tend to see frugality increase. You tend to see people increase their savings and not really consume as much. They start to cut back their consumption. You know, you saw this in 2008. But then once things start to get back to normal and the economy starts to recover, or at least people start to feel like the economy is recovering— that's when I believe you're going to start seeing prices rising. Now, I'm not going to say it's hyperinflation, okay? That's not what I mean when I say, you know, you're going to start to see prices rising, but it's going to be more noticeable, okay? So that's my opinion. You're going to start to see sentiment recover with regards to the virus, but you're not going to see a massive increase in prices because of the economy. And then once the economy starts to recover, or at least people feel like the economy is recovering, then you're going to start to see prices start to rise. You're going to see consumption start to get back to fully recovering, And you're going to start to see prices rise more so around that time. So that's my prediction. Now, again, that's what I think is going to happen. Until I see different data to suggest otherwise, that's what I think is going to occur. But there's lots of things that could could happen between now and then. Because we don't really know when then is. Like, we don't really. I hope that things will get back to a sense of normalcy this year. I hope that the vaccine will roll out, people will, their sentiment will start to recover, and then we'll start to be able to deal with all the economic problems, and then, and who knows how long that's gonna take. But there's a lot of things that can happen. And and some of the things that come to mind are well, if the government ends up creating this app and has people download this app and then starts injecting money into the app for everyday people to spend, you know, the people who are most likely to spend, if that starts to happen okay yeah you're definitely going to see prices rising and you're going to that's helicopter money right this is an idea that's been around for quite some time now with regards to economics helicopter money has been around it's a highly dangerous idea it's not going to have very positive effects on the the economy it's going to damage the economy it's going to damage the currency and it's going to be certainly it's going to hurt more than it's going to help if it helps at all so that would be something that if they do that that would definitely be something that would change my opinion you know, Another thing that could change my opinion is uh, savings rates. If savings rates continue to increase even after the virus sentiment recovers, that would ma- lead me to wonder, is there going to be a longer trend with regards to frugality? And if there is going to be a longer trend with regards to frugality and that would be very difficult to judge, mind you. I don't know if I'd be able to judge that or anyone would be able to judge that at all, but, you know, perfectly at least. But if the frugality continues to increase and the generations are truly scarred where, you know, they start adopting frugality like the generation of the Great Depression, again, if, if that is a long-term trend that's here to stay, then I, I think that you won't see prices rise a lot. I think you'll start to see the slowest. So there are things that can change in the coming future to change my opinion. But for right now, I still think you'll see a gradual increase, but nothing huge. And you won't see anything until the economy starts to recover. So anyways, that's my opinion. That's what I think is going to happen. But here's another question, okay? We're coming to the end of the episode, and we've been talking about what is going to happen, you know, with inflation and whatnot and and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what can you do about it, right? If you're worried about inflation, I think it should be at the back of everybody's mind. I, I really do. And if, if you are worried about all of that, if you are worried about inflation at all, that, and you're worried about monetary devaluation and all that kind of stuff, then what can you do, right? What, what can we do as liberty-oriented people to protect the money that we have spent blood, sweat, and tears to earn? There's a number of things you can do. You can, for instance, buy gold and silver right? That's the classic advice that a lot of people will give, which by the way, this is not financial advice. I don't know your financial situation. I'm not giving you financial advice. I'm just saying these are options that you have available to you. These are things that I'm considering. Some of these things are things that I'm actually doing, but uh, it's not financial advice, right? I'm not a licensed individual, so I'm, I'm not giving financial advice in that sense. And if you want financial advice uh, per, you know, legal disclaimer, go go consult someone who is licensed. <laughs> Anyways, there's your legal disclaimer. But with that said, though, you know, buying gold and silver is is a way it is a hedge against inflation while gold and silver can be used for investing it can be used for trading it also can very easily be used as a hedge against inflation now it's not a perfect hedge against inflation but it is it is a hedge it's kind of like real estate real estate gold and silver they don't all rise perfectly with inflation but they do because again inflation doesn't increase everywhere all with the same intensity right that just doesn't happen so, you know, they're not perfect hedges, but they are good hedges. They tend to rise in value with inflation. Over time, they tend to rise in value. So you can put your money in those. Cryptocurrencies is another is another asset that I think you could put your money into as well. You know, I think you need to be very careful with which cryptocurrencies that you choose and, and things on that line, but it's another option that you can do. So with that being said, all those ideas are great. But in my opinion, there are better methods out there for trying to reduce your risk when it comes to, you know, prices rising and things of that nature. When it comes to inflation and monetary devaluation and, and and all of that. And that would be controlling the source of your income. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I I hope I don't sound like a broken record when I say this. I know I say this all the time on the show. But I think it's probably one of the best things that you can do to reduce risk with regards to monetary devaluation and the like. I really do. And here's my reasoning for it. If you control the source of your income and you have a product or service that you are selling, as life becomes more expensive, you can raise your prices. And you can also create new courses and new products to sell as well, thereby increasing your cash flow. When you control the brand and you control your income and you control the company, you can control pricing, you can control what products or services you're offering. You have a lot more control over all of that. You see, the method that I'm talking about here is the method of attracting the printed money. You know, you, you come at it and you, instead of looking at inflation and monetary devaluation as a negative thing, as woe is me, you come at it and you start to actually look at it and say, look, there's a lot of money that just was created and it's all being injected into the economy and there's people that are going to spend it. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a product and service that people are going to buy. And therefore that money printing, some of that money printing will fall into my hands. Some of that new money will fall into my hands. And I will be better enriched as a result of it. And the better you are at doing this and the more, the more money you can accumulate in this way, the better off you're going to be when it comes to, you know, trying to reduce your risk for inflation. You see, we actually kind of touched on this in the last episode that we did. Right? What did I say? I said that it wouldn't really matter. You know, wealth inequality is going to continue no matter how much money you print and no matter how much money you redistribute from one group to the other because the people that are most likely to spend the money are always going to spend the money. Right? And if they spend the money, they're going to spend every dime that you give them. And as a result, every dime that you give them goes right back into the hands of the rich and the wealthy. It's a vicious cycle, but that's the truth. So it doesn't matter how much money is being printed. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, you can arguably say that it doesn't really matter how much money is being printed. It matters who is successful at getting the money. Rich and wealthy people who have businesses that produce products and services that we all buy, they're very good at attracting the money. Everybody else, the employees of those people and people who don't own businesses, they're not really good at attracting money. Even if you're high up there in a managerial position and you got a lot of income, again, You have good skills that has enabled you to acquire a lot more money than perhaps the average, but your upside is limited. You can't control prices of the products and services that, that your company sells because it's not your company. You can't control what direction the brand of the company moves in. It's not your company. It's not your brand. Your upside is limited and your control is limited. You have no control. That being said, when money is printed or redistributed, it goes in the hands of everyday people and they're just going to spend it and give it right back to the rich and the wealthy. So if you understand this, then you know that it doesn't really matter how much money that they're going to be printing. Not if you're very good at attracting it. You see, you need to be good at attracting it. This is the attraction principle okay? I'm coining it right now, uh, not to be confused with the law of attraction. The law of attraction, which is an idea that is promoted a lot in, in the think and grow rich and books like that, but that's not the law of, the, of attraction. The idea of the law of attraction is if you just think about becoming rich and wealthy and you just fix your mindset, you will just automatically become rich and wealthy. And, and money will just fall out of the sky in your hands. Opportunities will just fall out of the sky. It's a load of BS. The very guy who wrote the book, wasn't really even all that successful to begin with. He really wasn't. He wasn't a very successful man. He had some successes, but frankly, he would have died in poverty had it not been for some other more successful people who helped him out. But in the end, he wasn't that successful of a person. The law of attraction is a load of BS, okay? Merely thinking about becoming rich and wealthy and changing your mindset, while it is very helpful and it does need to occur so that you can point your life in that direction, you you have to take action. Okay, so I don't want the attraction principle to be confused with the law of attraction, okay? So anyways, but that being said, you got to be good at attracting the money. And if you can get good at attracting that money, that is probably the best thing that you can do in order to hedge against any kind of monetary devaluation, any kind of inflation that happens. If you learn how to attract a lot of money that is printed, that's probably one of the best things you could possibly do. That ladies and and gentlemen is one of the best things that you could possibly, possibly do. Probably the best thing. You know, the more money that you can attract, the more money you can put in, you know, stores of value like gold, silver, real estate, cryptocurrencies, right? The more money that you learn how to attract the better off your life is going to be. And the only way that you're going to be able to attract money is if you control the source of your income, okay, by owning your own business, by being an entrepreneur. Here's the way that I like to look at it, okay? Everybody deep down inside is an entrepreneur, all right? Everybody is an entrepreneur. Many of you out there, you don't think that you are, but you, you really are. You, you have a certain set of skills that people are paying you for. You've got a client, You only have one client, and that is your employer. See, if you think about yourself as a business, you provide services, you provide skills to clients, you just only have one client. If you've had more than one employer in your life, which most of us have had, then we have all had more than one client in our lifetime. But any time that we've ever had the clients, we've only ever had one, one big client, and that's it. Does that sound particularly risky to you? It should. It is incredibly risky, right? You are a business. Just, you are a business. You are in the business of you. And as a result of that, you need to strive to have more clients because what if one client just comes to you and says, yeah, we can't, re- we can't really pay you for your services anymore and they lay you off. Well, then you're screwed. Absolutely screwed. So ladies and gentlemen, I firmly believe that we are all entrepreneurs. We are all businesses in in ourselves, okay? And some of us are better at it than others. So in order to hedge against all this risk that's coming down the line, we need to control the source of our income. We need to increase the amount of clients that are paying us for our products or services. That's what we need to do. We need to get better at the attraction principle. We need to get better at attracting money. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the attraction principle is this. Those who are best at attracting money are always going to be wealthier than those who are not good at attracting money. That's it. That's all it is. Very simplistic. I call it the attraction principle. Just coined it today. <laughs> Literally in this episode, right? So look. Look. We need to get better at attracting money, and the only way we're going to do that is controlling the source of our income. Now, there's no one way that we can do it, but in my opinion, that is the best way for you guys to reduce your risk against inflation and the symptom of inflation, which is monetary devaluation. You know, prices rising. That's the best way. That's the best way, in my opinion, that we can handle it. So ladies and gentlemen, you know how do you take control of the source of your income? Well I mean you can do so in many different ways. You can engage in trading and investing. you can engage in selling products or your services to other people. Maybe you become a contract worker and you sell your skills to, to other clients. You know if you've got a very highly specialized skill, that's a great way of doing it. You know another thing that you can consider doing is if you've got a skill that you think other people want to have, you could create courses and you and you can get into information marketing is what I think the field is called. Basically, you're, you're selling courses. You're You're teaching people how to do something that they want to learn how to do. That's a great way to do it. In fact, it has very high margins. It's what I'm trying to do, right? It's got very, very high margins. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, right now I'm just doing the podcast, but I'm also working on my trading. When I finally am a consistently profitable trader, I intend to teach others how to trade. I intend to have a live trading room where you guys can come in and watch me trade live every single week. I intend to produce trading courses that you guys can buy. You know, I've even thought of having a signal service where every time I take a trade, I send you the signal via email or text message or whatever, and you guys can also choose to follow my trades as well if you so desire. That would be another subscription service. You know, I mean, on top of that, you know, I also have a huge desire to teach economics. So one day I plan to produce a course in Austrian economics. I also intend to write books, not just about political philosophy, but also about Austrian economics as well. It's really, really great. And of course, naturally, I I intend to trade also. So that's, that's another thing that I intend to do. I intend to trade and to invest and all that kind of stuff. So, so there's tons of ways out there. If you don't have a lot of money, look, you can just start with blogging. If you don't want to get behind a mic, you don't want to get behind a camera, maybe you're not the most charismatic individual. You know, and, and by the way, you don't have to be. But let let's say you don't feel comfortable with that, because I understand that takes time. You gotta put yourself out there. One of the ways that you can comfortably, you know, get your opinions out there and grow your audience, blogging. You write. You, you that's the, that's one of the best ways to do it there's tons of people that, that that's all they do you don't even need a product to sell although you should have a product to sell but you don't need one you could do affiliate marketing if you're using products and services that you really really love if those companies have affiliate programs you could easily do that and you can just post the the link of the affiliate program in the article. And look, all of this is free. You could do all of this for free. You can effectively do this on medium.com. There's, blog, there's blogspot.com. There's a whole host of companies that are out there. And those are just the two big major ones. I think there's a lot of alternatives as well that you could easily use to have a free website and, and to ultimately post your blog. You can have free websites as well if, if you're interested in, you know, doing uh, page builders or website builders and stuff. I mean, there's Weebly.com, there's Wix. You could do a lot of stuff that, that as well. And a lot of times they will offer free services. So you could, you could create a website for free in that way as well. But look, there's a lot of ways that you guys can become financially free. And while I would love to sit here and talk a, t- a lot more about that, in the end it's really more of a mind shift that you have to make. You have to make the decision to pursue it and then once you make that decision, you can then go off and you can start deciding what you want to do. And I can't I can't tell you to do that. If you you know, if you're asking me, what should I do? You know, there's not there's really nothing I can tell you. I don't know. I don't know you personally. You come here and you listen to me on the show. You know, you know me a lot better than I know you. Because you're listening to me, you're hearing my personal story, you're hearing my personal journey, you're hearing my opinions, you know how I how I feel about certain things. But I don't know any of that about you. You. Therefore, I can't give you that advice. I just can't. That's something that only you can decide. I would recommend asking friends and family members. Ideally, people who are very supportive of your endeavors. That would probably be one of the best things. They know who you are. They know your interests. You can brainstorm with those people. They care about you. That would probably be the best place to go, but I, I couldn't tell you. It's something that you got to figure out on your own. But I highly encourage you to sit down and start thinking about it. Ladies and gentlemen, there is still time. There is still time to... I, I-, I personally believe that there is still time for us to prepare for all of the stuff that's coming down the road. All right? So I think that if we take action today, we will be much better prepared on handling the, the unfortunate situations that are highly likely to befall us. We will be set up to handle those a lot better than if we continue to dig our head in the sand, continue to procrastinate, and do nothing. So, ladies and gentlemen, that being said, that's going to be the end of the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are. And if you'll do me a couple favors, first and foremost, please go give me a rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways that you guys can support the show. I know it's asking a lot for you guys to do it, but it really, really, really helps in supporting the show. The more ratings and reviews we have, the more the show gets on the map and the more we get on rankings and a whole host of other stuff. So, it's really, really great and it really helps for the visibility of the show. If you really, if you love the show a lot, uh, please, you know, share it wherever you are, whether you're on, regardless of the social media site, you know, hit that share button. And if you, if you like it, odds are you got people in your life that you know are personally going to like it. You know, I always say share with three friends, two people that you know are going to absolutely love it. And then one person, yeah, you're not really sure about, but you think they need to hear the message anyways. This message of financial freedom, personal empowerment, libertarianism, living out the liberty lifestyle. Okay living out the the, the libertarian principles in our daily lives. There are people that need to hear that message. It's incredibly empowering. It teaches us that we have control over our lives and nobody else. There's a lot of people that need to hear that message. And if you think you got people in your life that need to hear it, please share the show with them, okay? And help them improve their life as well. You know, odds are, they, you got people in your life who probably are like what I used to be like, years and years ago. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no freaking clue. I was going. I was doing all the advice that my parents and everybody else was telling me: go to college, get good grades, get a good job. I went to college. I got okay grades. I got a degree. I got crappy jobs. It never. It did not pan out at all. I got a lot of debt, and frankly, I wish I had never gone. It didn't work out. Until I started to decide that I'm gonna chart my own path. And when I decided to do that, I had direction for the first time in my life. And it was really a freeing experience. A long time ago, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was depressed a lot, I had no idea what I wanted. And now I do, I know what I want out of life. And I'm pursuing. And while, yeah, sometimes I get a little depressed with regards to not achieving certain things in the business and and not being able to work on it as much as I want because I'm I'm taking care of my daughter, which I love doing, but I feel very conflicted about it. You know, when when I'm taking care of her and I'm playing with her, I feel like, you know, I'm not doing anything for the business and I want to be the primary financial provider for my family. And I'm currently not that, but I want to be. So I'm working towards that. And I would encourage you to do the same by working towards your goals and your own life. But ladies and gentlemen, look, this message is incredibly empowering. It gave me direction. And I know, I know that you got people in your life who need that direction. If you're not willing to do it, then send them here. Let me do it. If you you like these ideas, then please share the show. And, you know, last but not least... If you're loving this show and you want to support me financially and doing this and, and coming in here every single week and providing you guys this value, if you guys are getting a lot of value out of it, then hey, consider becoming a patron of the show. If you become a patron, you get access to the Liberty Informant and the Matthew Spizzito Elite Group. Which the Matthew Spizzito Elite Group is basically my fan my my fan group for the show. And you get a lot of goodies if you're part of if you're a part of it. You guys can you effectively get access to the Liberty Informant. You get more access to me, and you also get access to the Liberty Informant, where I come in and I read articles from the, the Mises Institute, the Foundation for Economic Education, the American Institute for Economic Research, and Intellectual Takeout. These are great, great, great publications. Absolutely amazing. And there's a lot of people who, who would love to read this more often, but simply don't have the time. So I come in, I turn them into audio files by reading them into this mic, and you guys get to listen to them whenever you want. And you also get the added bonus of seeing what I'm reading on a weekly basis. So if you guys you guys like me, you want to know where I'm getting my information from, so that's a great way to do it. And you also get to support the show all at the same time. So ladies and gentlemen, with that said, if you'll do all of that stuff for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks. Plan accordingly, and have a great day.